Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Here with Ryan Fagan from Sporting News. I think I was interviewing him. He thinks he was interviewing me. We had a good time talking about 87 Tops. So here it is. And thanks to sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Urbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. And Rich Klein introduced me to Ryan. And Ryan, thanks for being here. And here it is. I started collecting at 87, you know, that my first set. I bought my first box in 2015, first one since way back, bought a couple of them, wrote a little story, <clears throat> then got back into it again, like about six months before the pandemic hit and mostly just buying that old stuff. I put it on my Twitter page every day for the past year and a half, like a pack of the day, basically an older pack. And the replies when 87 tops packs get open vastly outnumber anything else. On most of them, I'll get 25 to 30 replies. But every time I post 87 tops, it's 100 replies. It's 80,000 impressions on Twitter. And most of them aren't even, I love this player. It's just this set. That's what I started from. So I was talking with my baseball editor and we were like, at some point, we just need to write the 87 tops story. So I'm going to try to talk to as many people I can that have knowledge, connection to it. Because obviously it's the 35-year anniversary of it. And Tops, I assume, is going to do the Heritage Series. But obviously, you were very involved in 87. So what are your early memories of that set when it came out back in 87? 87 Tops, yeah, we were obviously already doing the magazine by those days. And it's always been a hobby of nostalgia and what's going on right now. Certainly, as 87, you're moving into the junk wax era of, of more and more production because there was more and more emphasis on what's going on now. A lot of new people, a lot of kids coming into the into the industry. A lot of card shops were opening up. Our magazine was just doing great. We were yeah. really trying to help collectors to understand what in those days didn't have to be a complicated hobby. There weren't as many parallels and inserts and obscure kinds of things you had to look up or ultra valuable things. 87 tops. When you open up those packs, you're mainly just looking for a really good player. Maybe some emphasis about rookies too, but it still was pretty superstar oriented. What I love now is even opening them I and mean, you're going to get a whole almost every pack. If it's not an all-star card or some right. other you know special card, that, that was the conventional wisdom at the time that everybody would open a pack and get something that they enjoyed. But they just produced an awful lot of them. That's one of the reasons you're getting uh, so many responses, because there's still a lot out there. And uh, I wouldn't say they're beautiful cards, but for some people, it's one of their more popular designs. Yeah. Because it's distinctive, wood grain kind of thing. It didn't do a lot for me, but then I'm still probably stuck in the 50s, Ryan, (laughs) with the beauty of the 50s sets. I'm more of a 50s guy. Uh, Those were the cards when I was a kid. But 87... Yeah. You look back and you think, what would you have done in the 86, 87 timeframe? And nine out of 10 kids were buying 87 tops. Yeah, There were a lot of 86 tops out there, but 87 was way bigger, I think. You could have gotten 86 football. You could have gotten 86, 87 Fleer basketball. Yeah, no. But it was mainly a baseball-oriented hobby. And the card companies, I think they're always trying to print to the perceived demand but sometimes that perceived demand is with rose-colored glasses because a lot of that 87 product was not being consumed. It was being put away. And there's it, still some out there or in there, wherever. There's none in my garage, but they're, if they're broken out of the wax, even if they're in numerical order, if they've been sorted, I think it's tough to sell 
anything other than unopened of 87 tops or very high grade certain cards. I've been told there's nobody still at Tops back in the day. On the other hand, you being a, a sports writer, if I were you, I'd reach out to Keith Olbermann. Keith comments on this stuff quite often. And he was, he was in tighter with Tops than yeah. most people. I think even earlier than that, he may be able to give you some insights. I didn't realize he had official connections with them. It just seemed like he knows everything. Well, he was, I don't know about official. I'm just saying he, he was in the know about a lot of that stuff in the earlier days of the hobby because yeah. he was a hobbyist. Yeah. But he was, you know, very serious and into it, big on errors and variations. I went back through the, the Sporting News archives and found the first references to tops, little classified ads in the back. I posted a, a series of those at some point last year, and he chimed in with amazing notes and stuff that I would have had no idea. Yeah. There's the Larry Fritch kind of guy that probably had some of those ads in the back of the Sporting News, but he's passed away now. And they were mainly getting the unopened product. And then some of the big dealers on the West Coast were getting remainders of what wasn't sold. Some of that was cut card cases or uncut sheets that they later cut. So they're still not contraband. And then some wax product that had the gum in it. Yeah. The box that I have right now is the rack packs because the last couple of wax boxes I bought, the gum had soaked through three cards or something. That's so. humidity. It's really tricky. I can't remember how many more years they did gum, but there were yeah. two negatives about the gum. One for collectors was the seepage, the change in humidity would damage the cards. But the, the card companies, they were actually hamstrung by the fact that they could not use metallic inks and other kinds of toxic oh. materials because it was a FDA approved it was yeah. in food. So that was limiting tops in yeah. their creativity in packs with gum. Yeah, that, the 92 was the first one without it. And that was when they had the tops gold. So that makes sense. I didn't even think about it. I won't say there's nothing interesting about 87 tops, but they just turned on the presses. <laughs> they let it rip and, and they made enough of them that everybody could have some. The perverse thought is that we are the beneficiaries in the uh, back to the future time travel. That yeah. because Tops was so omnipresent in the late 80s, let's say, early 90s, because they were leading the way. They weren't a reluctant member of the overproduction group. They were right there. But because of that, there's so many 40-somethings, late 30s, early 40s, something, mainly men, but, but some women, but mainly men who have a fond and vivid recollection of what it was like. And I think that's part of the demographic bubble there that Rich Klein and I, Rich has always popularized a 25, 30 year rule. It's enough time for the, the young collector to grow up, have a family, then all of a sudden look up and say, hey, what about my old hobby? So 30 years later, they're looking for a pastime. They reconnect with their hobby, which is terrific. Then they go and want to buy a box of 87 tops and they can. Whereas some of these unopened uh, products from the late 90s, amazing stuff in there, needle in a haystack stuff. You have trouble finding that. Some of the junk wax era, you still find wax. And it's fun to open. I say you're going to get a recognizable good player. If it's not connected to the gum, you might get a good grade too. Right. Yeah. Rich said something that really stuck with me. He talked about shared experiences. And now there's so much out there that you can have 10 different people and they all collect different things that's coming out right now. But back then, like that's what you collected, right. eight, seven tops. And so when he said that really clicked and that fosters that sense of nostalgia now is because we all did the same thing back then. And that doesn't really happen so much anymore. I'm, I'm just wondering if you're going through and doing packs, if you ever do 89 uh, upper deck, because what you have is with 87 tops, 
it was the last of the simpler years. It was yeah. 88, you got score, 89, you got upper deck, 87, I guess you had sport flicks, but that really wasn't that much mainstream. So you're mainly having Fleer and Donruss. Those sets were decent, but they didn't blow anybody away. Right. So I think Tops had the most production in 87. I think we could safely say that they produced more cards than yeah. Donruss and Fleer. I don't know if they did more than them combined. But, but like I say, by 88 and 89 and 90 and 91, everybody's got the presses going. So 87 tops, maybe that was the last of it. So we did open, we tried to do like a two years ago, three years ago, we tried to do like a little card opening thing and we bought a box of 89 upper deck. This is before the prices went crazy. I, I, I had never opened a Griffey, so I was very excited and we didn't get one. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. It became a running joke as we were opening it because I got six Carlos Quintana star rookies. And not a single Griffey. But the sequencing was like, you'd open a pack and by the end of the box, you knew exactly who was coming and you knew it was never going to be Griffey. But that's okay. And now that we have this, you know, fresh controversy of what's a rookie card, McGuire was part of the buzz in those days and probably still is a little bit, although his 85 Team USA is pretty recognized, I think, as the better card. But the 87 Tops is certainly has a following too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that was one of them back then as a kid. I was like, I was 11, basically. I don't know what to do because I feel like this is rookie card. 85 was before I'd started collecting. Yeah, and the 85 Tops is another box we did, and I didn't get a wire out of that one. I was starting to feel like we were jinxed in some way. So you're, you're getting this visceral response to 87. Is it based on what you're opening? Because if you did 84 Donruss, I think 87 Tops, there's three times as many, maybe, 87 Tops cards out there as there yeah. are 84 Donruss. Yeah. But 84 Donruss at various times has been voted the set of the decade. 87 tops. Those days you could actually put together a set or you could get a set. With 87 tops, there are more design-oriented comments than any other set. But I think, again, that kind of ties into that nostalgia. I remember growing up, we had wood paneling in the living room of our house and the family room until I was, I don't know, 10 years old. So to me, I make that connection. But a lot of what really started me doing this like the first couple packs i put out were 91 upper deck because i'd happened to run into a couple of packs at an antique mall somewhere and the first pack i remember had a griffey in it and that's part of the reason i posted it but most of the comments were about milt thompson more comments about milt thompson out of that pack than anything else i went to a card show and milt thompson signed this autograph for me and he was really nice that's what stuck with him or game and milt thompson hit a foul ball and i always remember that but that's the thing that i've always loved about I'm doing these packs of the day is that you just have these connections to life. It was like the last game I ever went to with my dad before he passed, the player hit a home run. And it was this type of thing. That's what has really stuck with me as much as anything. It's just that these connections to these players through baseball cards tied to these life memories. And that's what's been so cool about it um, for me. But as far as the design stuff, people will talk about when I post an 88 score pack. They'll be like, oh, the rainbow of colors. And they'll say that about the 89 Donners. So yeah, it's just all kinds of stuff. I've been doing it for a year and a half now. And there's... Has anybody drawn the connection of 87 being the 25th anniversary of 62 Tops? Yeah, Rich talked about that a little bit. And some people have mentioned it when I've done the packs. But to be honest, I hadn't really made that connection myself until other people brought it up. And that's one of the things that those little nuggets you love to find out, 63 and 83. I hadn't thought about that either until somebody pointed it out. Anybody lamenting the fact that 87 with a 792 card set, you actually could have a chance of getting almost any key player in baseball, whereas now very few sets 
are broad-based and really cover lots of players. They're mainly superstar and rookie-oriented. So is, is that a concern from some of your feedback? Because Milt Thompson would not be included in right. most of today's sets. And yeah, I, I think a lot of it is they'll, they'll say, like, the problem with the bigger checklist is you can buy a box, very easily not get Bo or Barry, Larkin or Bonds. And that was... That's not so much the case now. Now, if you buy it, you're probably going to get the base card of most everybody. And that's, and you can contrast that to the basketball of those days. But those sets were what? 250 cards? If you buy a box, you're probably getting two or three. And you mentioned the 86, 87 Fleer basketball. And uh, that, that kind of s- stabs at me a little bit because I had a buddy who bought two or three boxes because they were really cheap and bought the boxes, opened them, put them in a, a, a you know closet somewhere and Opened them. Now this, they opened them 15 years ago. They were 10 bucks a box. Yeah, exactly. And I paid, you know, 15 for my 87 tops. And I thought he was crazy for doing it. But who knows? In retrospect, you could retire on that one purchase. Exactly. But so anyway, so are there any regretful statements? Because here's the thing. If you were into 87 tops 25 years ago, and then you were Rip Van Winkle, you went to sleep. And then you came back, whereas 86, 87 Fleer basketball, yeah. you've got to mortgage your house. But to jump back in with 87 tops baseball, you just hit the ground running. Yeah. And so yeah. that needs to be comforting. I think that's part of why people respond so much to those packs that I post, because they'll see it. They're like, oh, that's great. Oh, hey, look, I can go spend 30 bucks and get this exact box and relive that all over again. I think that's part of the thing that they like because people can join in and then they will buy a box and post a pack and tag me in it. Okay, now it's your turn. Say the same thing every time I say, tell me your favorite story about one of these players or these cards. And, and I worded it that way because of the 87 tops, because I wanted people to feel free to basically say whatever they wanted to. If I say that about 91 Fleer, maybe not 91 Fleer because they talk about how yellow it is, like 91 Donners, nobody talks about the design of that. But with 87 tops, you know, they will. And so that's part of the reason that I have worded it specifically that way. Come!